Welcome to the SG Engage podcast, where it's all social good all the time. Sit back and relax as the brightest minds from across the social good community engage with trends, big ideas, and best practices to help you drive impact. Welcome to the SG Engage podcast. This is Rachel Hutchison, and I'm delighted to be here today with Stacy Barber. Stacy is an integrative life coach and the founder of Stacy Barber Lifestyle. So welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here with you. So Stacy, we are here to talk about this broad topic of self-care for women in leadership. Um, although mm-hmm. I know you have a lot of ideas, you want to take us in a couple of different directions. But before we do that, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you do? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, my story is very interesting. And I think what I would like to say about that is that the the path in which sometimes we think that we should go, we get we get a U-turn or a detour. And that has been the, the example of my life. I, my professional training is in occupational therapy. I knew that I wanted to do some work in the world that meant that was real holistic and looked at the whole person, the mental, emotional, spiritual well-being of that human. And I I worked in that in that world for about eight years until it was very clear to me that it was time to change, time to really do the work in the world that I was meant to do, deeper work, the work that really helped people look at what's working and what's not working and really tune back into themselves and take care of themselves in such an integrative way. And that led me to be able to start my coaching practice, which is Stacey Barber Lifestyle, where I really work with the whole human being. And I also do that at the studio, the Mindful Body Pilates Studio, which I had the opportunity to purchase um, after I left the hospital. And it was one of those take the leap moments and the opportunity showed itself to me. So the way I really like to explain my work is just working with the human in front of me, how they're really, how they're going through life and seeing how it's working, how it's not working and really finding a sense of peace and joy. Joy is such a big word to really lean into finding our deep sense of joy and our daily activities and lives. Um, So that is something that brings me immense joy. I love watching people start to shift the trajectory of what they thought was possible. Um, And I do a lot of work around mindset, um, well-being, and just overall holistic wealth and health and wellness. So you and I have connected a lot over the topic of self-care in particular for women in leadership. And and you actually came into Blackboard and, and talked to our women's leadership community about this. So so why do women in leadership in particular need to practice self-care? And then beyond that, what does that look like? How do we know what we're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think it is imperative that women in the world today care for themselves, period, because we are holding so much more than our mothers or our grandmothers or the women before us did. We have stepped into this opportunity in the world where we can do anything we want to do, anything that we aspire to do, it's available to us. And I love the quote, just because you can do it all doesn't mean that you should do it all. And I think that's really important for women, especially because we have, I speak for myself here, I've watched the other women in my in my world, in my life, feel the need to sort of take care of everything and everyone. And for me, it's 
self-care in leadership as a female is being able to sort of pull back a bit and realize what's really important. How am I caring for myself so that I can show up fully in my work, in my life, as a mother, as a wife, as a friend? Because if I'm not, then I'm burning myself on both ends and I'm not able to really show up and do the work that I know that I'm here to do. And I speak for so many women in that in that realm. And I think that being able to find that, I like to say zooming out a bit and really look at where can I ask for help and support? Where can I delegate? Where can I start to really fill up my cup so that I can be the person that I, that I'm really here to be. And Mm -hmm. as women, I think it's just important to be able to say, I don't have to, I don't have to hold all of the, I don't have to hold all the candles anymore. You know, I, there's, there's support systems in place for me and really being um, intentional about getting those support systems in place. Because as women, I think we have a really, um, a beautiful opportunity in front of us. As long as we're really taking the time to care for ourselves along the way, I think we can show up fully for that. So if someone new, you know, comes to you and says, I want to start on this self-care journey, I am a woman, I hold a position within an organization, maybe a, a nonprofit or a company or in the community or in government, whatever it is, where do I start? So how do you help people understand what self-care actually looks like in practice? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. I like to take a bit of an inventory of what's happening in their lives, how, what, what, working and what's not working, where they're feeling depleted, where they're feeling that they're missing the mark, where they're feeling that their energy is just being poured out. So really taking a beautiful look at that and then starting to assess, is this something that I can delegate to someone else? Is this something that can be removed? Is this something that really just encourages a clear boundary of my time and my energy? And I think if I could say anything, the boundaries are so important for, for women in the workplace. And, and yeah, I'm going to get back to you on, on boundaries. Yes. We're going to talk about yes. that one more. But but it's the, yeah. you know, I know like even when you were talking to our team, there were people who were like, this is so wonderful. But oh, my gosh, I'm feeling almost the added pressure that now mm. I know I should do this. But where do I start? And mm. what you're really the way I think about what you're saying is that you are helping and you've helped me do this figure out how do we walk through our own lives, the decisions we make every day, not just I have to do these things three times a week because it's going to make me say I'm taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. And that where to start is almost like it can feel like pressure, like, oh, shoot, I've got this thing I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. And you you just nailed it on the head. It's how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel in your day-to-day life? And that is, that is the question that I prompt immediately during my work. How are you wanting to feel in your body? How are you wanting to feel in the world? And really leaning into that because we can get caught in the to-do, the perpetual one more thing on our list. But at the end of the day, how is it that you're choosing to show up and feel in, in your life? And that really helps us go back inward to start to say, what does fill me up? And I want more of that because I know that that's going to then compound effect to get me to this beautiful place of feeling healthy in my body, feeling healthy in my mind, feeling healthy in the work that I do. And that's a win-win for everyone. And I think once, like you said, once you start to feel that, it just builds upon itself. Yeah. So 
looking at your own experience and thinking about what you'd recommend for people who are listening to this, and and this is for men and women. I mean, Mm self-care isn't just for women. It's just, we happen to take that lens when we began this conversation. So question for you, what's been the number one self-care technique that shifted the trajectory of your own personal and professional life? One thing. Yeah, absolutely. Boundaries. 100%. And I think not only creating boundaries, but sticking to them has been a game changer for me. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So when um, when I was able to purchase the studio from the previous owner, I had observed a way of working in that realm that that I immediately could feel would deplete me. It was um, not working on the business, but working in it all the time. And I took a moment to really zoom out and say to myself, is this the way that I choose to be in this world? Do I want to be spinning my wheels and spinning my energy all day, every day, or do I choose to do this a different way? And from the beginning, I created a schedule for myself that would not pull all of my energy away from myself. And I remember I had some people that, that almost looked at me and said, good luck. You know, that you own a business now, you're going to be in it all the time. And I was like, no, this is very important to me that I do this in a way that, that I still find joy in my work so that I'm not feeling resentful because I'm having to pour so much out of myself. And that has been a steadfast boundary for me from the very beginning. I also have children. I think it's really important to be able to find boundaries and how much care and help and assistance I'm getting with them. And I speak to them very clearly about that. And just being able to really lean back into, again, how I'm feeling, what do I need to do? Do I need to shift something? Just staying aware. I think awareness is so huge. Being aware of how I'm feeling. Is this the current schedule? Is it working for me or is it not? And being able to kind of to change the direction of where I'm going here and there. I think so often we get in this space of this is the way it has to be and giving ourselves that permission to really reevaluate what is it that I need to shift to be able to find more joy in the work and the life that I'm living. Yeah. You talked to our team about permission and, and women having permission to make these decisions. And it's so frustrating, but also honest that often we do need to feel like we've been given permission. Um, that's something we each have to struggle with in our lives. So, so I know you've said to me, you have two daughters, two young daughters, and it's important for you to teach them not only how to care for themselves, but they, um, for them to look at you as a good mother and a good person, but also as a successful person in business, you're the founder and CEO of your own business. And that's important Mm -hmm. to you that you want them to, to see that strength in you and the possibilities for them in the future. So Self-care is also about adopting a mindset. And I want to spend some time on this. Um, You call this being in a space of potential versus creating what might feel like a hard, unrealistic plan for ourselves and our lives. So unpack that a little bit for us. Mm, Yeah. The way that I really like to explain this, and um, there's so so much work around this that, that you can find, but the growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Right. So often we have a plan. Um, and I'll never forget when I was actually found out that I was pregnant with my first daughter, I went to my OB and she said, 
you know, this is, here's, here's the layout of everything. And she goes, do you have a birthing plan? Kind of, you know, this question of, is there a plan? And I'm like, what, what kind of plan? I just want to have the baby. She goes, oh, thank God. Because the plan never goes the way that you want it to. You know, we have this idea of the way that we think our life is going to roll out. And Yes, it's great to have an idea and a, um, a sort of a blueprint, but there has to be freedom and flow within that. There has to be that potential of, oh, okay, so this isn't working anymore. What next? Or I keep hitting a wall here. What what opportunity might be around this other door, this corner, you know, that I can, that was going to bring me so much more joy and a life that I couldn't have even imagined. But I think that's what's so important is staying open to what is coming up right in front of us, being really aware that, that sometimes life doesn't work out like the plan that we have. And that's okay because most of the time it shows up to be something much more incredible than we could ever imagine. If anyone would have told me 15 years ago that I would be a business owner, I would have two thriving businesses, a family, all the things that are happening in my life, I don't know that I could have seen that then, but I had to stay open each step of the way. Each chapter unfolded something different for me. And I know we've talked a lot about this. I never expected that I would lose my father at such a young age. And I can say without a doubt, though his death provided one of the greatest gifts for me in my life because it helped me put a pause in the way that things were going and really reevaluate is this what I want to continue to do in my life or not? And the answer was no. And that was really difficult. I had my benefits and insurance and all the things that we work for. My entire professional career had been to build up to this job, but the job was no longer bringing me the joy that I desired in life. And I could see that there was something beyond that. And so we, we can't see what we can't see. And sometimes it's okay not to know. And I think just staying in that, if you can go back, I know we've talked about this a little bit, that space of curiosity, you know, like we were as children, staying in that space of what, what's next and getting really excited about maybe I don't know yet. And that for me is that growth, right? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think that as we get older and particularly as women get older, we, we feel more comfortable with that, the unknown. I remember being coming out of grad school and being in like a panic because I didn't know what was next. And I was like, just tell me what's next for me. And, <laughs> yeah. and I had no idea, you know, I came to work at a technology company at a moment when technology companies were not coming on campus at colleges to, to recruit you. It was all banks and insurance companies and people didn't say, I want a career in tech. It was just right before that. And now when I'm asked, you know, tell us about your career and how you got to where you are, I can look backwards and see how the roots of it started with my parents and, and the traditions and service mindedness that they showed in our house. But mm-hmm. I didn't know what the heck was going on when I was trying to go from A to B to C and there was a recession and I you know, couldn't get a job and all these things were happening around me. You know, the other thing that's interesting, so there's this woman named Cheryl Klein who does a podcast for women and, and leadership. And, and she asked me a question about if I ever felt like someone had tried to kind of put me in a box or categorize me and how I then allowed myself to be categorized that way. Mm -hmm. And it was a really interesting conversation about like, yeah, I'm the youngest of three. So of course I'm the youngest of three, even at, at 54, 
You know, okay. I'm, I, and the example I gave her was that I was in grad school or I was going to grad school and my college uh, advisor had, had written me a letter of recommendation and it said it was for a journalism school. And he said, I think it's great. She'd be great at this, but I'm, I'm glad it's not broadcast because she wouldn't be good at broadcast journalism. She wouldn't be good standing on her feet speaking. She'd be good at writing and editing. And I totally yeah. absorbed that. That's what yeah. I, I'm like, yeah, I totally believe that. And guess what? When I was in my forties, I figured out that I actually enjoyed speaking and yes. I liked the spoken word and I kind of got, you know, I felt challenged by it, but I had adopted for 20 years after he wrote yeah. that, that was mm-hmm. me. And it made it harder for me to break out of that because I had just accepted what this, this par- these parameters that someone else had put around me. And maybe it's because I'm a woman that I accepted them so readily. I don't know. Yes. But I yeah. did. No, I, I totally, I, I had an eighth grade English teacher that said I wasn't good at writing. And still to the, like, again, about 10 years ago, I finally said to myself, but I love writing. Like it brings me so much joy and I think I'm pretty darn good at it. But if you look at how that started to shift where I went, it was like, okay, well, I'm good at math and science. So stay in the math and science, math and science. So then you go into the medical field and and I look back and it's like, how could that have shifted some of the decisions that I made? But I love the way that both of these stories come back around to this awareness of, okay, wait a minute. That was an outside, you know, external opinion that I mm-hmm. adopted, but now I can let it go because it's well, actually and maybe, not true. I mean, it was true. I was very quiet in college and, you know, was, you know, very studious and, you know, I was always reading and, and I wasn't exhibiting that mm-hmm. skill, but mm-hmm. standing up and speaking is a skill that you build. It's like building a muscle. And you do it and you do it and you learn. And so I've become really passionate about trying to help people who are much younger have the opportunity to do that that earlier in their careers. And I do worry, you know, if I've watched my kids come through school and they get categorized so quickly, you're good at this, you're not good at that, you can take this course, you can't take that course. And they come out, one of my kids recently told me that he realized he actually was good at math because he was convinced in middle school, he's 22, that he was bad at math. And I'm like, wow, that really stuck with you. And that was one mm. teacher in one moment. And then they get older and they, people say, go to college and you, what are you majoring in? Even before they get there. So what I, I tell them is all you have to know is the next step. At this point in your life, all you have to know is the next step. And, yes. and that actually for our own careers, we should feel really good about each next step. And if we feel really good about that, then it's heading in the right direction. That's it. It's beautiful. That's exactly. It took me a long time to get to that, though. (laughs) Yes, I understand. But it's beautiful. Your job is to help people get there faster. I always say that if I can help mentor and sponsor people, help get them there faster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because it. I think it can feel so big and daunting, but if we can just bring it back in and start to really lean in to again, what makes me feel lit up? What like follow that? right? There's this internal light inside of us that is drawing us towards the things that we're really meant to be here to do. And I I fully believe that. And it's just keeping our eyes and hearts open along the way, not getting so far ahead of ourselves. I I also, I, I struggle with the way that the whole educational system is set up that we have to know before we know. 
and really giving ourselves again that permission to say, okay, well, maybe I don't know yet. And that's okay. But what's what's lighting me up right now? What what am I being drawn to right now? So I love that you're yes. helping your sons with that too. So, you know, often when someone interviews you, I get you get the question, you know, you know, what mistake did you make and how did you learn from it? And and I, one that I always draw on is um, I worked for someone a long time ago. I was, it was my very early 30s. I just had my second child. And I thought that I was supposed to know everything because I was mm-hmm. in this position with this certain title. And so I just was kind of like bluffing that I knew something. And he totally called me on it and not very nicely. But and I was mm-hmm. like horrified that. Oh, and I, I realized as I grew up from that point, because you're not totally grown up at 32, I don't think. I realized that it's okay if I don't know something. The older I get, the less I think I know, but I have the confidence to understand that I can go and find people who know a lot about this stuff and surround myself with them and get to the right solution. But it's, um, yeah, you oh, you never learn from the things you do well. You learn from the things you do yes. really well. Yeah. <laughs> it's always that way. And we have to be, we have to be okay to put our feet in the water and sometimes not, not, and not work out the way that we think it's going to. I don't like the word failure because I feel like failure is only an opportunity, but it's, we've got to be able to take those risks. I was reading something um, just the other day about the, you know, the younger population that's coming up. There's so much less risk averse. They're so un- less willing to be able to actually step out and take a risk because oh, they so have they're- they they worry so much about risk they don't want to take it. That's it. Yeah, because yeah. because they have taken it so on as their identity that if this doesn't work out, then I'm not working out. Like if this doesn't work, then I'm not okay. And I think as where we're at in the world, it's so important for us as women in leadership and women in the world, people in the world, to take those risks because the younger generations are starting to really take it on as their identity that if I don't, if I don't succeed, then I, I'm not willing to take that next step. And I, that, that concerns me. And I'm really trying to, as you spoke to before, be an example, not only for myself, but for my children to be able to see, okay, maybe this was the, maybe this was the plan, but I took the step and that didn't work out. But now I have something else. Now I can shift and work towards something even greater. But being able to actually go in and say, you know what, that didn't work, or I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here, or I don't know anything about this. Let me find out someone that does. I think that really shows a lot of character and something that we all need more of in the world. Yeah, for sure. We talk about I talk about mentorship and sponsorship a lot. And one of the things that I say is that I think anybody can be a mentor and a sponsor. And I certainly learn things all the time from my kids, from from very young people, from I was just at my father's 65th college reunion and meeting his some of his friends who are 87. And I learned from them. I mean, you learn from everybody, not Mm -hmm. the structured approach that you're the student and you're the college graduate or whatever. So, so people who are finding you, are they of a certain demographic of a certain age or does it span? Yeah, I've really found that it spans. I mean, I've had the opportunity to work with teenagers, which I love. And then I also have the opportunity to work with people up into their sixties and seventies because, because our life plan never really stops moving, which is so beautiful people are always seeking to find a different way of doing things, a different way of finding 
more meaning in their day to day. But I would say if I could draw it in, I would say definitely, you know, anywhere between the age of 25 to 55 is typically the demographic that's reaching out to me. And I'm normally working with women and it's really, I'm finding that that's when we're starting to really question the way that things have been, sort of the social norm, the way that I'm holding all these things or the way that I'm working or the way I'm doing, we're starting to realize that this doesn't really feel good. This doesn't feel right anymore. But a lot of times, like you said, you get to that space where that feels a little scary coming up against like an edge. What do I do next? And that's what I love doing is helping people really start to break down that barrier, look beyond the wall to see so much potential that's available. Because yeah, there's a reason that we're coming up against that that edge because something needs to shift. And being able to really walk, I like to say walk alongside them in the process so that they're really opening the horizon to see all of the other little nuggets that are available out there. And they're all available. We just have to open our lens to see them. We have to see them. We have to recognize them. That's it. Absolutely. I've I've known a lot of people in my life who, you know, some who are always seeing opportunity, always embracing something and saying, oh, that's an opportunity to do something. It could be something really small. And there are others who feel that it's not an opportunity unless it's something that is officially asked of them to do. And Mm here's something we we would like for you to do versus the world is, is out there and around me. And how do you develop that kind of gut instinct or judgment to understand what's an opportunity and what's not is that's very, that's kind of inside of all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's really my biggest message because there's so much coming at us all day, every day from, from just every facet of our lives is really, if you had a volume knob, turn that down a little bit so that we can tune in to what our inner guidance is saying to us, because we all have that voice. It's just being able to really lean in and, and let everything else get a little bit more quiet out there so that we can start to hear what is it that, that we're being guided towards? What is it that needs to change? Because at the end of the day, we all have the answers inside of us. It's just being able to, how do we start to hear that voice? And I really think it takes that, that concrete, intentional turning down the volume from everything else outside of us. So Stacy, this has been great. We could talk for a very long time about this. Um, uh, and I think it's important, although again, to stress that we talked to, we're talking about self-care for women and leadership. We're actually just talking about self-care period. It's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, regardless of gender, there are certain things that women face that men don't, but there are also things that men face that women don't. And as the mom of two yeah. young men, I can say there are things that young men face in this world that, that others don't. So we all, as you said, have those answers inside of us. We just have to have that confidence and openness to figure out what that right answer is for each one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Absolutely. that's a, a beautiful thing. So before we end, I would love for you um, to share some information with our listening audience about if they're interested in what you're talking about in this topic and what you do, where can they go to learn more? Yeah, absolutely. So I have my website is simply my name. So it's stacybarber.com and that's Stacy with an IE. You can find me there. There's information on all of my programs. I've got a blog, different things that you can just really start to kind of lean into my work there. I am also on LinkedIn as Stacy Barber. And then my YouTube channel is Stacy Barber Lifestyle. And that has some of my um, talk radio show um, episodes and different 
different modalities that I use to really help lean into the work that we do together. So any of those modalities or any of those locations, you can find me. And um, yeah, I would just love to hear from anyone if there's any questions or just curiosity. I'm very open to hearing from anyone. Well, Stacey, thank you again for being with us. It's been a pleasure. Mm-hmm. And to the SG Engage listening audience, um, this is Rachel Hutchison signing off.